Welcome back to our Pastor's Bible Study Hour. No, I'm just kidding. Half hour. <laughs> um, it just sounds catchier when you say yeah, Bible sure. Study Hour. Uh, we're in the Gospel of Mark, and we're still in Chapter 6. So before we jump right into the next verse, just a quick recap. Uh, chapter 6 is maybe another example of a sandwich in Mark. Uh, this one, honestly, I don't really see the connectedness to mm. the different stories, but... You know, it starts off with uh, uh, a prophet being without honor and then Jesus sending out the 12 to preach the good news and to heal people. And then it's interrupted by this history lesson of how John the Baptist ended up getting arrested and being beheaded. And then today it just picks right back up. The disciples have come back from preaching. And I guess, I don't know, maybe Mark just needed a little gap in time to tell the story about the disciples going out and yeah, coming potentially. back. Yeah, Or about just multiple, multiplication in different ways of Jesus' efforts. So we are uh, verse 30 yep. of Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And I'm, this is one of those verses where I wish maybe it was a whole chapter and we could actually hear the details. Yeah, here we do see the, the miracles they were doing. Here we do see the sandwich though, right? Because Jesus had sent out the 12 and then all of a sudden we have that John the Baptist being beheaded and all of a sudden they're coming back and, and reporting to him. But I agree with you. I mean, it would have been interesting to see the stories the that they tell. But I mean, how long would that have been? Oh, no, you, know, exactly. you, had, you had six different groups of people telling all these unique stories of, and who even knows exactly what the timeline was. Right. So they're trying to tell this, and like I said, it probably took a while for them to report everything. But the very next verse, it goes on. Then, because so many people were coming and going, and they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Uh, how important is it for us to get rest? <laughs> yeah, and the busyness that's there too. Right? When they're talking about they didn't even have a chance to eat. You know, they're just constantly moving along. But you're right, those words from Christ there, being able to say, hey, let's pause here. This mission is super important. We want to get this word out. But what good are you to the gospel if you don't have some type of rejuvenation yourself? You know? Exactly. I don't know how your wedding reception was, but we, Christy and I, did not get to eat at our reception. That's so funny we you say that. Did not get to eat at all. Uh, one of the things I tell every couple when I sit down with them is literally because of uh, experiences like that is just sit down, eat your meal. You can get up later on and go visit with people. Meal. Try to try to take time and be able to enjoy that. Yeah, because that happens a lot. Yeah, somebody packed us a little box of food we ate <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> a little sample of this and that. All right. So verse 32. So they went away by themselves at a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus uh, landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And maybe a quick footnote there is uh, uh, this, obviously the shepherd imagery is used a lot mm -hmm. in scripture, even all the way back in the Old Testament, the 23rd Psalm, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, we're his sheep. This is a comparison or maybe analogy is used quite often. And I always hear it as being, oh, it's so comforting, so sweet. 
but it's actually not a compliment to be called a sheep. Yeah, yeah. Sheep are pretty dumb animals. They they really need they can't survive without a shepherd. Yeah. Uh, well, even that word compassion that's used there, it isn't like oh he has this love for them that's so great. It's more of it's his like heart a, breaks that he's yearning because of the state that he sees them in. Yeah, yeah. Very literal, like a gut wrenching yeah, emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Hurts. Good. Interesting, though, on, on the people's response, too, of how excited they are to be able to hear about Jesus from the disciples and see the things. I mean, they're literally sprinting from one place yeah, to the next. Like racing the boat. Yeah, they're not worried about <laughs> what their meal's going to come from that day. They're not worried about the work they legitimately need to get done. They're trying to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible just to spend more time with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think about that just in like, again, for daily application for me, you know, and the busyness of the things that I think I need to get done, you know, am I so enthralled with Christ and what he has done for me or the things that I've seen him do, just the Lord in the world, that I'm like, hey, I know this stuff is important to do, but what is most important in my day? And am I doing everything I can to say, hey, you know, am I in the Word today? Am I taking time to enjoy the Lord's creation or to be in worship this week? You know, are we are we patient when God interrupts our schedule? Yeah, our plans for the day. Yeah, yeah. Things come in. Today's been a kind of an off day here sure. at church. We've had a number of things just pop up and yeah. All good, exciting things, but just... Not on schedule. Yeah, it just <laughs> changes the day. Yeah. All right, good. 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. <laughs> they said to him... That would take eight months of a man's wage. Uh, now, different translations talk about half a year's wage, but uh, essentially 200 denarius. You, get, you earn about a denarius a day. That was the, yeah. the pay. So a lot of money. Half of, you know, think of eight months of your salary. Um, so they said, hey, we can't afford that. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So Jesus asked him, how many loaves do you have, he asked go and see. And when they found out, they said, five. Oh, and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples uh, to set before the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And uh, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So, a pretty famous miracle. Yeah. Jesus feeding the 5,000. That's actually something to note. Uh, maybe just not on the side of being famous in our words, but this is one of the miracles that's actually recorded in all four Gospels. You know, if we read through the different Gospels, we see different uh, individuals have recorded different elements, but this is one, like, next to the resurrection mm -hmm. that is recorded in all four. Not that it necessarily all of a sudden is more famous or has more 
uh, I don't know, strength to it or mm -hmm. is more important in some way. But the fact that they did all record it, it does stand out, obviously, in all these individuals' minds. Yes. And I, you know what? Thinking about that, too, I like to think about the other scriptures that are recorded. So in this text, when Mark writes this down, he kind of breaks it down, you know, in verse, like, I don't know, uh, 37 there, Jesus is telling them, why don't you give them something to eat? And in John's gospel, when he is recording, it actually says that Jesus asked them, you know, uh, how, how are we going to feed these people? The same mm -hmm. thing. But it says, uh, very specifically, Jesus asks them this, already knowing in mind what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. And I look at that, and I think, so what is he doing here during this time? He's actually using it as this teaching moment with his disciples to kind of stretch their minds maybe a little bit, not necessarily testing them overly in some way, maybe in a little way you could say that, but beginning to grow their faith, not just saying, hey guys, I got this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of it, don't worry about it. He actually kind of puts it into their hands and one of the disciples, I guess it's Philip, uh, is the one we see in some of the text. He's the one that goes out and you know comes and says, here you go, Lord, this is what I got. I always think like, what the other disciples must have thought when he's like, well, let's come and see. Let's see what we got. And Philip's like, hey, check it out, guys. And they're like, what? What did you find? Oh, I got a couple of fish. And Lowe's are just <laughs> like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, right. That won't feed us. Like, that is literally a little boy's lunch. How is that going to feed all these people? But, you know, then Jesus takes this small amount. And obviously, he makes something big out of it. And I think this is such a testament for us, too, of what are the different ways that the Lord... Uh, allows us to be able to be stretched sometimes, not mm -hmm. just like, hey, yeah, I'm going to take care of this for you today. Don't worry about that. But actually allows us to say, well, to take that invitation, come and see, what do you have? I can take whatever you have, as small as you think it may be, whatever that talent is, uh, the time that you have, and watch what I can do to be able to multiply that. Yeah, that's good. I, I agree. I think this was a an actual test that he was giving the disciples and he literally meant you give them something to eat because you think about uh, they'd watched Jesus at the beginning of his ministry you know preach the repentance mm -hmm. forgive his sins heal people diseases they saw him cast out demons okay so then what does he do earlier he sends them out two by two he sends out yeah. the twelve and he says preach in my name heal people cast out demons and he comes back and uh, 5,000 men, we're going to talk about there's more people than that there, but of males, there's just 5,000 plus men, uh, women and children. Anyway, he says, okay, you feed them. And, well, they've never seen him feed 5,000 people, but they didn't know that was part of the deal. Yeah. Right? They didn't know they, that was a possibility. And Jesus, I think Jesus was for real, like, you, you take the fish and load, like they didn't figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you can do it through me, just like you cast out demons, yeah. just like you heal people yeah. in my name. You can do this in my name. Do it. And I think they were like, what is he talking? We don't have enough money to buy the food. We don't, we they, can't. It's so easy to see the problems, right? It's so easy to see the the things that are going to come, the walls that are going to be there and not note what's going to be beyond that. And we do the same thing, obviously, in our lives, too. Yeah, but you're so right about just offering, uh, giving to God all that we got, right? If it's... Uh, I, just a little bit of, uh, in my case, intelligence, uh, but uh, or, or speaking ability or card writing, it's whatever it is, anything, a little right? bit. Yeah, God will multiply that to bless so many more people than you would ever 
ever imagine. That makes me so excited too, because it it really shows that we're relying upon the power of God and not relying upon the things that we think we have. Like that's the whole story here is the power of God that does this multiplication. It's not the bread and the fish that has nothing to do with it whatsoever. That's just the small thing that the Lord is able to use in this. What really is portrayed is God's power. And that's what people are excited about, right? Look at the number of people that were fed. Not that people were fed. Look at the number. And it should be the same thing when we look at Lord. Like, you know, Lord, look at this element that the Lord is able to do, not what we have uh, at the end of the day. I love the organization, too, of God in this. Yeah, you know, I was just reading through Exodus uh, last well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just the the ordering of the people of Israel around the... the 50s and the 100s set around the temple and the encampment of the tabernacle, you know, when they're marching through the, the wilderness. Yeah, but yeah, the orderliness. There's in, in God, it's really not, trying to madhouse, like everybody running up to the yeah, basket yeah. and just trying to. <laughs> yeah, just random. And I mean, and our God really is this God of order. You see this all the time. Like, if you even if you look at cre- the story of creation, like you see this God of order in the way that he lays things out. And he does the same thing here you know takes time to be able to break things down and have it so it's this uh simple uh portrayal of how to get something out and i think about that for maybe it's in our church services or maybe just in our missional efforts of the important uh piece to be organized Mm -hmm. in what we're doing not just slapstick or not so organized to where we're holding things back but enough to where we have a framework for being mm-hmm. able to provide something for people. Yeah. And a little footnote, you guys can read it probably in your study Bibles too. So the grass turned green, and this is probably the northeast side of the, mm. of the lake there, uh, Capernaum and Bethsaida. Um, anyway, the grass is green. About the, It said late winter, early spring, so like right now. Oh, yeah. So this happened, you know, whatever, night, 1,990 years ago, this time of year. Uh, they fed 5,000 people. That's a funny uh, like description too, right? Because it really it becomes picturesque almost in your mind of these people yeah. and where they're at and kind of really, I don't know, sets the stage for things. Right. And for all the lessons that we can learn from this, like using our gifts, God multiplies whatever, give it all we got and God takes care of the rest. Uh, spiritually, you know, Jesus is the bread of life, right? Yeah. And this one loaf, you know, this yeah. one man is going to die for, the, for all people, the spiritual nourishment of all people you know what that's something about the amount too i love that there's these leftovers oh yeah that's a that's another one these 12 baskets of leftovers you know in this miracle jesus could have been like all right it's going to be to the person right like every last piece is going to be just right but all of the 12 disciples as they go out all come back with a basket that still has remnants or leftovers in it and I wonder, it doesn't say specifically what happened to that, but I wonder if Christ gave that to the disciples to be able to, you know. Eat over the next few yeah, days. Yeah, take care of yourself now. But this it's remembrance, right, to be able to remember, you know, God provided this for me. Jesus mm-hmm. did this for me. And uh, even just thinking about that and our blessings too, right, that God really does. I mean, there really are leftovers in our lives of blessings that we do have so much or he provides for us in so many different ways i think that's kind of neat to be able to see that again implanted in the mind of the disciples then mm-hmm. yeah and just the abundance of god's blessings right? yeah it's, yeah uh, back to the 23rd song i guess our cup runneth over it's yeah. just an abundance it's more than we need that's how god always works 
Pretty cool. All right, let's jump into the second half here. Uh, another miracle, Jesus walking upon water. Uh, verse 45. Immediately, and there's that Mark, you know, one of those descriptors by Mark right afterwards. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Uh, so again, we see here uh, Christ himself taking that time to be able to be with the Lord, actually to be able to, to pray. Uh, verse 47, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Yeah, just of anything. Just in uh, such an interesting description. So it talks about it's you know the fourth watch of the night. Uh, he's walking on the lake. This is right before sunset. In other words, like yeah, three, four, five, maybe six a.m. Yeah, and. And then he's, it says he's about to pass them by. I love the thought of that. Like, the way that plays out in my mind is, I mean, he knows what but he's just going to ignore them. Like, just, all right, guys, well, I'll see you over on the other side. Hope you make it. Like, not even look at, glancing over at him. Yeah. He's just like, I'm headed over. And they're like, it's almost as if he's like observing them, not in a spy like manner, but observing them almost in kind of a, uh, I don't know, a fatherly way or like somebody who, uh, a teacher to the pupil. Yeah, but when he walks by him in the boat, does he like give him a little nod? <laughs> yeah. Or does he just ignore him like, hmm, see you guys later? I, I don't know. I'm wave. not sure, but yeah, it is, that cheap, is interesting. Cheap wave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting though. I still think it's interesting that he's watching them, right? He's alone. He sees them straining. He well, does, he's, not, he's not necessarily helping them out in that moment. And then it talks about him being well, able to pass them by. Yeah, but if you think about it, uh, at least the way I imagine it, uh, Jesus is able to watch them. I don't think he can physically see them. I think they're too far. Okay. If you think about it, it's night. Yeah. It's raining, so yep. you've got... I think he, in his God, you know, he sees all. Like, he sees them. He knows what they're doing. He knows what they're up against. He knows they're struggling. Look at this storm is so bad. They had to put their sails down. They're rowing as hard as they can yeah, yeah. against the wind. Anyway, so I think he sees them because he's God. Uh, and he walks on the water, obviously, because yeah. he's God. <laughs> but, but, uh, well, I mean, it's he not knows like he, what's going on, and he doesn't leave them. You know, our verse continues here because he, they also see him; they're terrified. There's that word again. Immediately, where we began yeah. this section with, he spoke to them and said, "Take courage; it is I. Don't be afraid." Yeah. Then he climbed into the boat. <laughs> I, I just wonder what that looked like too. You know, where's the water at here? Like, does a wave lift him up and just kind of like <laughs> puts him there? He climbs yeah. into the boat with them. And as soon as he does, it says the wind died down. They were completely amazed. 
for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Inter interesting. Mm -hmm. For they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. So they still are struggling with this uh, Jesus having power over natural yeah. things. Whether it's multiplying bread, storms, calming storms, walking on water. It just seems like a different category than healing somebody or casting out a demon, which is maybe even both seem to them as maybe a little more spiritual hmm. in nature. Uh, but here's Jesus is showing his lordship over all things, you know, the universe, the physical world too. Well, even the, the disciples in this moment, right? The description of them that's there, their hearts were hardened. Uh, that they they're still they're still battling God being and Jesus being all powerful. It seems like yeah. And to be clarify, like I don't think it means hardened as in like their opposition yeah, to Jesus. Not like Pharaoh. I yeah, it, I think it's their. I think it's their spiritual you know, understanding. Yeah, I think it's their maturity of their faith. Hmm. All right, let's move on. In fifty three, when they had mm. crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to uh, whatever they had, excuse me on mats to wherever they heard he was <laughs> and wherever he went into villages towns or countryside they placed the sick in the marketplaces they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed think about that like you just hear hey Jesus is just on you know on south beach and you know, like just Ah, mom, just start running. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jesus, the Starbucks and the market. Everybody just makes a beeline. Like I said, just drops everything. They probably just leave the doors unlocked, the shop, yeah, they the, don't... the dinner on the oven. The, I mean, just drop everything. Again, that and seems run to be like what's what's most what's most important is that they can be around him. And obviously, these people have faith that they're going to be able to bring uh, the sick and whoever they can. To all these different places and know that they'll be healed. I mean, interesting that even connection that they talk about, even just uh, being able to touch the edge of his cloak, right? We talked about that, what was it in chapter five, I think, of uh, the woman who mm -hmm. just knows if she can only touch Jesus's cloak that she will be healed. And interestingly enough, we see these people that are able to do yeah. the exact same through this. I guess that story got around. Yeah, I guess probably. people heard about that. Yeah, probably. Or multiple stories, probably. Um, I mean, funny, see, the, at this section, the disciples kind of disappear. You know, he mm -hmm. tells them to take courage. Their hearts are hardened, but then they get over and they get out. And it's all these people again. It's not... These 12 men that were gathered around Christ that saw exactly what he did with these loaves and bread that had the leftovers and brought it back to him. It's the rest of the people that, that are yeah. there being able to lift up who Christ is. Uh, maybe not being specifically with that concept of being a disciple, but being this follower of Christ. Not just being somebody who is there to, to see what he was doing, but to actually participate in these healing miracles with him. Right, and this seems to kind of be all Jesus, right? He and he did the feeding of 5,000 on yep. his own, even though he told his disciples he wanted them to do it originally. Mm -hmm. He walks on the water. 
again, I think that was just a wow moment. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, healing the people. Um, one thing in the story of the Jesus walking on the water, you know, in Matthew, we learn that Peter yeah. tried to take a step or two yeah. out on the water Yeah, in this moment. Uh, uh, Mark edits that part out. And if we recall that uh, Mark was not one of the 12, he, he's getting his story from Peter. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's, he's hearing the gospel. He's hearing the story of Jesus' ministry through Peter. So that means... Peter probably left that part out. Now, whether it was because he was brag, didn't want to sound like a braggart, like yeah. he's the only human to ever walk on water, yeah, or a failure because yeah. he sunk. Yeah. <laughs> he lost. And, you know, maybe a lost little bit focus of and faith. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, he probably didn't tell that story about himself very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You can imagine that that would be the case. Um, uh, one thing I, I, stands out to me here is the patience that Jesus had because all of these people, these crowds and crowds of people, you know, they're not looking for forgiveness. They're not looking for heaven necessarily. I mean, everybody wants to go to heaven, but I mean, that's not why they're running to Jesus. Hmm. They're not listening, you know, coming to hear his his preaching, to, to learn more about God's word, uh, God revealed to them, you know, understanding more about uh, you know their faith they're all coming to be healed or have their friends healed or their family members healed and it's just mobs and mobs of people but it's very much you know uh, kind of shallow if you will mm-hmm. when it comes to who Jesus is that they really just want it a miracle whether they, later on we'll see you know uh, or another gospel talks about how they came back you know the big crowd we want basically get fed again yeah uh, but even here though you see all these people bringing out the sick uh, running to wherever he is and Jesus is like really patient with them he's not like offended he doesn't rebuke them um, he he heals them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that that compassion that word <clears throat> you talked about uh, earlier and that Greek word there's really like gut-wrenching this deep Heartache uh, in in your chest, in your gut, uh, when you see something that is, you know, so sad or so tragic. Uh, we've all, I don't know, driven by a car accident or yeah. or something, and you feel that it's a <clears throat> physical reaction to an emotion, and that's how strongly Jesus felt feels about all of us. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was. Uh, that was pretty amazing uh, how patient he was. And I think about, uh, you know, how does our church, you know, share the gospel? You know, we want to connect people to Jesus. And uh, ultimately that does mean repenting and forgiving, you know, their sins and baptizing and receiving communion and coming to church and hearing the you know, God's word and singing their praises to God and offering up their prayers because they have faith in him now. But so many people don't even know that they need that. Yeah. They're not even, that's not even on their radar. Like, why would I need a church home is probably what they're thinking. Most, most of our neighbors. Yeah. But if you ask them, oh, do you have an economic problems? Have you lost your job mm-hmm. in the last year? 
you having relationship troubles, somebody in your family you're sideways with, and you, you, it hurts, you, you want to be right again. Mm-hmm. Uh, physical illnesses, absolutely, you know, body, mind, whatever, are very real. Um, and, you know, we have, uh, we, the, the church, Jesus' church here, um, we have God's word. We have the power, the same power that the disciples used to heal people and cast out demons, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is the same power that lives inside mm. each and every one of us. Um, I'm not a Pentecostal or anything like that, uh, but uh, I think we, I, I think we, uh, maybe downplay that or underplay that uh, too much, uh, not wanting to be a sensationalist mm-hmm. or a yeah. TV evangelist, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's people with real needs uh, that we can help. Yeah. I don't know if we can meet every need, uh, but Jesus can certainly help them. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that opens the door and gets them to the point where they do start to say, okay, you know, where is my faith? You know, what do I think about God? I've been ignoring it for so long. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the, the sermon tonight, actually, when we hit that, uh, looking at the place just where Jesus is at kind of in the story as we're going going along. And what does that mean that people in our world are truly, you know, thirsting to have different uh, wants or needs met mm-hmm. in certain ways? And how do we do that? And like you said, a big piece of that is recognizing the power that Christ has and as we mentioned in that first miracle for today, taking those little things and being able to use them. Or as you mentioned with Peter walking on water, inviting us to be able to be a part of his miraculous work, right? Yeah. He actually invites Peter to come out of the boat. You know, Peter doesn't just jump out and say, hey, I'm going to walk on water with you. It's this invitation that is mm-hmm. produced there, there first. And so if we look at the Lord's invitation and what he can do through us and just allow him to do that, that great work in our world. Yep. All right, why don't we close up there today then. Uh, Finish off with a a prayer, and thanks again for joining us today. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we have to uh, just be able to be united with you in uh, these miraculous works of being able to read and hear about and hopefully have our faith grown uh, just in these words. Uh, Lord, allow our hearts to be open uh, to the testing that you provide for us knowing that just like anything else, uh, you use that as almost a spiritual workout to make us stronger and to be able to rely upon you in all things. Uh, Lord, continue to make us uh, just the best Christians we possibly can be for our neighbor and in service to you. Again, not that we are growing ourselves in some way, Lord, uh, or trying to to point to what we can do, but what you can provide uh, through us. Uh, We thank you for the gifts that you provide and Jesus as he walks this uh, just miraculous uh, route to the cross for our sins and uh, in that time of glorious resurrection that we will celebrate in a short time for now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. See you next time. See you later.